I'm Cindy Levy, and this is the Barneys Podcast, the show that celebrates fashion, style, culture, and most of all, personality. When Alexander Wang and Ryan Corbin look back at the beginning of their friendship, they could never have imagined how things would progress. The two met as students at the new school and have since steadily risen to the top of their fields. Alexander Wang showed his first collection at New York Fashion Week in 2007. And if you own distressed jeans or a fashion backpack, he may be the reason why. He also spent three years as creative director at Balenciaga, returning full-time to the U.S. in 2015 to focus wholly on his own brand, of which he's now CEO. Ryan Corbin has brought a fresh take on old-world romance to his interior design. He's designed homes for Kanye West, stores for Balenciaga, and just finished work on an entire luxury condo on Bleecker Street in Manhattan. He's also happy to share his style with the rest of us and has just published his second book on design earlier this fall. When I sat down with these longtime friends and collaborators, we had a wide-ranging conversation about everything from trust to family to the importance of a great medicine chest. But since these two have been friends since college, I was curious if they could have predicted each other's outfits today. Yes. Yes. What could you have predicted about Alex's look? His clothes would be really, really big. Yeah? (laughs) Yeah. Why is that? Um, I don't know, because he's cool. (laughs) Noted and agreed. Could you have predicted his look? Yeah. He tends to kind of go into the convalescent home attire these days, like 70 plus. That's very much. uh, (laughs) So he's rocking a geriatric vibe. Very geriatric vibe. (laughs) Flashy geriatric vibe. That's what I would call Ryan's style. Flashy geriatric. Let us all aspire to that in our golden years. So as... Listeners can probably tell from this conversation, the two of you have known each other a long, long time. Is there a how we met story? Yes, actually. Do you want to tell it? No, you can tell it. because We were actually introduced through mutual friends in the dorm when we got to college. and This was at the new yeah, school? Yeah, this was at the new school. I was school. living at the dorm. He didn't even Sorry, I didn't live. My, one of my best friends lived at the dorm. He just so I went came to go there visit to socialize. Her. I went to go visit her, and he was in her room, and like we did not get along like we were just not vibing it was like i was like who is that why are we hanging out with him i think it was territorial (laughs) alex had his own apartment but would come to the dorms to hang out with young people (laughs) (laughs) he was too cool to live in the dorms so was there a moment when you thought oh we really think along the same lines we think the same way yeah what was that moment ryan (laughs) i think when we went out for the first time yeah yeah where'd you go (laughs) i mean where did not we, we go? go? <laughs> Let the, I think it, this is a good moment to note that, Alex, ever since you've been known for your nightlife, and I, I hear you have a secret talent, which is that you don't get hungover. Is that true? It's, it's true. It's the myth of the wangover. That's like waking up the next day, just feeling amazing, incredible, living your best life. Like you just had the time of your life and like you want to do it all over again. (laughs) Can you bottle that and sell it to the rest of us? I'm working on it and Barney's is going to carry it. (laughs) (laughs) From your mouth to God's ears. So you had a great social friendship. You had a great personal relationship. When did you start thinking you might want to collaborate professionally or did that come far, far later? I think that came far, far later because we were friends for a good five years, I think, before we ever started doing anything together. My first store in in Soho on Grand Street was the first project that we did together. Yeah, I mean, both of you really did have such early starts. I mean, you 
opened that store that Alex was just referring in Tribeca when you were 22, I think. And and you were 21 when you started your yeah. own line <laughs> after dropping out of Parsons, dropping right? Dropping out of Parsons. So did you, even though you weren't collaborating, was there a camaraderie and, gosh, we're both trying to do these huge things and we're trying to do them really early? Or, or did you not even think about it like that? Mm, I think so. But I think we also started before that. It just wasn't on maybe a professional scale, like your first apartment and then sort yes, of like your yes, showroom. Yes, yes, and yes, sorry, sorry. So, Ryan, when you're doing a project and, you know, you've now done so many, um, you know, both with Alex and obviously on your own and now you're doing a, a building, where do you where do you start? Do you do a lot of listening before you even start to to pull things? How does it begin for you? I think it's different every project. It depends what it's for. If it's a commercial project, then it's a lot of listening. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's a if it's a private client, you know, maybe I try and not listen so much. <laughs> Why? Because people have a wrong idea of what they no, should do. No, because you know you want them to talk. But when it comes to a commercial project, um, I think the important thing is that the design's meant to be there to help drive some sort of business factor, which is why I really love the commercial stuff so much because it's really adding value through design. Mm -hmm. Whereas someone's home is sort of, you have to pretend to listen, but really you need to, pu <laughs> you need to push them and you, know, you need to know what to ignore. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've experienced that. Ryan really loved the sewing machine that I had in my apartment. Yeah? The, no. was this, this was a sewing machine that you were actually using to... It was the first, no, it was the first sewing machine that my mom got me. So it had sentimental value and Ryan would always talk about how ugly it was. And he's like, can you please just like hide that, get rid of it, put it somewhere where I don't have to look at it? Oh. <laughs> if your mom is listening to this, she's going to have words for you, Ryan. No, she loves me. <laughs> what she did does, you do with does. the sewing machine? You know, I don't know where it is. I think I lost it. I it just sat on a shelf and it was just, you know. <laughs> That's the sad part. I really don't know where it is today. But um, it wasn't old enough to be like an object or an antique. And right. it wasn't like new enough to be cool. It was just sort of like your run of the mill, <laughs> you know, like frugal, she got it from frugal, Sears. frugal beginning sewing machine. <laughs> got it. I'm, so it was not some beautiful vintage singer no, no, object. No, no, yeah. no. <laughs> okay. Got it. Um, so describe to us what is a Ryan Corbin interior? Um, I think it's sort of half brutalist, half romantic. Mm -hmm. um, it's not within budget. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I, I think it's um, it's within budget. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm kidding. Budget aside, For all those future developers, I'm totally joking. <laughs> what is what does it look like? What does it feel like? What isn't it? It isn't minimal. It isn't more is more. It isn't traditional. It isn't modern. It's sort of the right balance of something a little bit old and something new. Um, I think it takes influence from things that maybe were traditional and, and brings them into the current day. Um, but I think it's well balanced. Um, and that's sort of what I've always wanted to convey is, is a sense of balance. Would you agree with that description, Alex, of his work? I would agree. You know, Ryan said something once, I think it was in a book or an interview, and it, it, and I felt very much it was on point. It was that you don't feel like you're ever stuck in a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. it, there's a timelessness to it. And I think that's, you know, obviously, I think that's what he's, uh, you know, wow. speaking of right now. But it's something that um, I always felt was very, very 
true and um, and yeah, on point for how he looks at things. Speaking of the design process, you were talking about how it works for you, Ryan. For you, Alex, has the way you designed a collection changed over the years you've been in business and it's now 13 years, right, that you've had your own yeah. line? Um, yeah, it's definitely changed. It's definitely evolved. You know, you know, when I came out of school, I, you know, it was a, for me, it was always never about kind of going into a place where I felt like I was labeled, you know, whether it was a designer luxury or, you know, contemporary. So I think today, you know, more so than ever, I feel much more empowered to break down more barriers and kind of stereotypes and, you know, price points and elasticity of a brand and how you communicate and how you engage with your consumer and not thinking about um fashion or, you know, brands in such a traditional sense. Mm -hmm. When you did your most recent show mm -hmm. um, in June, it had an immigrant America theme. You had Childish Gambino's This Is America playing and a mix of different influences. Um, your dad was there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're the first time he's ever come to this one of the, your yeah, shows? Yeah, this is the first time he's ever come to one of my shows. I know. It's it's crazy, but it's, you know, timing never worked out. And, you know, he lives in China. Uh, and so, but yeah, it, it was his first experience. What did it mean to have him there at that show? Uh, you know, actually, my entire family was together at this show. My brother, my sister, my mom, and my dad. And it, you know, it just meant the world to me because, you know, like the start of this collection was because of a trip that I took together with my family, like almost um, since 20 years. And we haven't done a trip together, just us, you know, us five. And um, and I started asking all these stories about, you know, my mom and my dad and, you know, their experience moving to New to the States. And yeah, so for them to kind of come together again for the actual kind of manifestation of the collection was um it just, yeah, it was really special. So. He must be so proud. Yeah. He had the best outfit everyone was talking about. Full <laughs> Alexander Wang logos. Merch. You know, I gave him like, like, I gave him like the set to say like, hey, you know, what do you want to wear? You know, like pick, take the hat or the hoodie, you know, or the shorts or whatever. And my dad just kind of like being as like clueless <laughs> and also just not caring about, he just threw on the entire, like, all the pieces together. Everything logoed. Everything together. Yeah, exactly. And he just like, and then my brother sent me a picture. He's like, uh, you should see dad before he walks out the house. And then he showed me, I was like, oh my God, that's so major. I was like, make him do it. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yes. <laughs> Love that. Um, one of the things I've found we end up talking about a lot on this podcast is that idea of milestones. Because when you look at somebody's career from the outside, you have this idea about what their milestones probably are. I mean, with you, I would imagine it was your, you know, your first CFDA award and going to Balenciaga and then again, becoming CEO of your own company. But I'm curious whether, you know, from the inside being you, did those things feel like the big milestones or were there other things that were more important, just as important? Winning the CFDA for sure uh, made a really big impact on on my career, um, as much as also opening my first store. You know, that was the first time I felt that I really had a direct connection to the consumer. And I was there all the time looking at who was buying things, what they were buying, um, how they were. This is the Grand Street yeah, store. Grand Street yeah, Grand Street store, um, which Ryan designed. And so um, really understanding, you know, what was that community and how did that environment um support you know that that conversation that storytelling um and then you know another big milestone to probably say beyonce name dropping me <laughs> talk about that 
I rarely email the entire company. And the day that that happened, I emailed the entire company, and my company was just like laughing so hard. They're like, out of all the things you've been able to do, like this is the one thing that you like emailed、uh, the entire company. Hell yes! I was like, hello, it's Queen B. <laughs> yeah, can't <laughs> underestimate that, Ryan. What about you? Are there moments that stand out as milestones for you? Yeah, but they're few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kind of always moving forward. So for me, they've been like very brief, brief moments. I think.、Um, but when Alex went to Balenciaga and we opened that first store, that、mm-hmm. sort of night of the unveiling sort、mm-hmm. of sticks out as, you know, just sort of a moment of just kind of like looking back and being like, you know, it was probably the biggest store we had done per square foot. So just kind of looking back and being like, wow, just the, I think just the the size of it kind of felt. But that was momentary, you know.、Mm-hmm. Like the next day, it was time to move on. I think <laughs> like <that's>, a shark, <laughs> always yeah, moving forward. I just, you know, and I, I definitely think when I signed on to do my first development, that really felt like a milestone for me.、Um, the idea of being able to sell people like a Ryan Corbin product at a fifteen million dollar price point,、mm-hmm. you know, being able to sell someone a home rather than furniture for the first time felt like it felt very important to me. And the real estate world is very entrenched, from what I understand, and somewhat traditional in New York. W- were there challenges because you're so relatively young, and how did you overcome those? There were there were a lot of challenges with it, and I remember I met with a lot of developers. Them, it was about six months of what I would call an audition because they were all sort of nervous, which you know it's a. It's a really big sellout. It's a huge budget, so I understand. But luckily for me, there's always some girl in the marketing department who brings me, <laughs> who knows you, and gets who you, who thinks it's a good idea, who brings me in, who you know has the idea and and the vision to be able to see that the design world is a lot slower than the fashion world, and it needs to be moved forward, and it needs to be shaken up, and so. So there was a lot of risks that we took, and I think that they're paying off.、Mm-hmm. Um, but it'll be exciting once people start. Moving in and living with a product that we were able to make, and all the sort of things I spent two years agonizing over, like the medicine cabinets, or you know, just all these little things that you think about the way people live and and what they want to,、mm-hmm. you know, live so, in. What's important about a medicine cabinet? What do you look for or hate? Well, it has to feel heavy because it has to feel expensive.、Mm-hmm. You know, I I kind of went back to this idea of when I was designing it. You know what are the things that people are going to use every day? So you wake up in the morning, and the medicine cabinet is sort of the first thing you touch. So I really fought very. I mean, I think they wanted to murder me by the end.、Mm. <laughs> the medicine cabinets were like, I think it was about eight months of just working with Italy, and and then you know they saw the price in the medicine cabinets, and you know I would just argue with the whole team about the hinges, and you know, but I just kept going back to these things that people would you know sort of it would be the first thing they touch in the morning or the、mm-hmm. last thing they touch at night, and yeah,、mm-hmm. that's a. I love that way of looking at it.、Um, you were talking about the world of fashion being kind of younger and looser than the world、A、of、lot. design. T- tell me more about that. The difference I saw is in in the fashion world, the older people were really、um, inspired by youth,、mm-hmm. and they really they nurtured it, and it you know they cultivated it. Where in the design world, I think、um, it sort of felt less democratic and more reserved for the one percent.、Mm-hmm. Which I understood, and which was so alluring about it. But I think that as of the past few years, it's really, really changed, which、mm-hmm. is like incredible to watch.、Mm-hmm. And and Alex, that sense of sort of democratization has always been such an important part of your brand, right back from the very beginning.、Um, thinking about streetwear and how 
you know, you embraced it and elevated it and were all in on it from the beginning. Now it's something that everybody wants to do. Do you look around at the world right now and kind of think, oh, I had a hand in creating this world we live in? <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think about it so directly like that. But, you know, I, I've always felt that um, the elasticity of my brand was something that was something I really valued, that a T-shirt can be just as valuable and just as quote unquote, luxurious to someone mm -hmm. because of you know, the sentimental value. And so I always, I always kind of saw product kind of on the same level and I didn't kind of devalue something because of the price point. Mm -hmm. Or um, because it was casual. And, or because it was casual or informal. You know, I always like kind of playing in both arenas and um, that's something that's always been at the heart of the brand and will always be at the heart of the brand. Where do you think fashion will be in 10 years? What will we be sitting here talking about? Gosh, I don't see, you know, designers just kind of competing or on, in the same industry as other designers. You know, I think of brands are brands. And if, you know, if Apple was to put out a bed tomorrow, if they were to put out a jacket, people would probably buy it because, you know what, they believe in the values of what that brand stands for. So hmm. I think you really have to have a vision of a lifestyle because, you know, at the end of the day, product, no one needs more product, you know, just for the sake of putting out product. And that's kind of, you know, that's how I see ourselves. And that's kind of how what we've been working on in terms of our brand journey and our strategy, you know, moving forward. Mm -hmm. um, Ryan, in October, Barney's is revamping its home floor. And I hear you have a pretty cool project as part of that. Can you tell us what that is? Um, we're going to curate a sort of space bringing in exclusive product that I have um, from sort of different artisans and craftspeople that I've worked with over the years, as well as kind of mixing that with the current Barney's product to kind of show you what an environment would look like, kind of mixing those two worlds. Um, and we're going to launch the book there as well. Let's talk about the book because I have it here and okay. I'd like to note for everybody listening that picking it up is what is going to constitute today's workout because it's really <laughs> heavy. This oh, really? is a big, big and beautiful book. Um, this is your second book. Yes. What was your goal here? This is called Ryan Corbin Interiors and it's absolutely beautiful. First, tell us about what we're looking at on the cover here. That's actually the lobby from Forty Bleaker. Forty Bleaker being the, so the that big was project my, you were just that discussing. That was my gift to my developer when he hired me. I remember looking at him and saying, you're not going to regret this. Um, I'm going to pay you back. And then last week I sent him that in a gift bag and I wrote him a note and I said, here's your payback. Where's my next building? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's really beautiful. What are those couches? They're marble couches. <laughs> Super comfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. As, as somebody who's raised two children, all I can think of is this is a home for after your kids are no longer toddlers. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also it takes eight yeah. guys to move them. But, you know, it, 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 that was more beautiful. That was a vision for, you know, a sort of shared living space. Mm -hmm. um, plus, you know, it had to take a good photo. So. Right. You use a lot of gray, stating mm. the obvious. Mm -hmm. um, Elephant's breath. It's called that, favorite paint tell me, color. Yeah, no, it, tell me about the, the, the specific gray, gray. The gray is called the new neutral. Mm -hmm. So whereas before there's a lot of beige and white, you know, for me, I, I wanted to create a color palette that felt kind of the same way in, in emotion, but sort of felt more modernized. So for me, the gray is the new neutral. And what paint do you use? What are your, well, do you it, have a specific go-to? I have a few. So it kind of depends like what you want to achieve. If mm -hmm. you want that cooler gray, if you want that warmer gray, if you want the sexier gray. Ooh, what's a sexy gray? Um, 
It's called trout. <laughs> that is the Isn't only that so time sexy? that the words sexy and trout have been uttered in the same sentence. <laughs> really? So so is that an actual shade I can go buy, say, yeah. for my bedroom? Yeah, of course. You want to tell her the brand? Trout by whom? <laughs> well, I, I can't give away everything. Oh, okay, okay. Fine. No, it's by Pratt & Lambert, actually. Because, oh. you know, there's lots of different colors, even with paint brands that you can pick up at your local hardware store. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for making it democratic. Um, so you're still so young, but you've had long careers already. I feel old. <laughs> you're not old. I feel tired. Newsflash. Oh, I feel like Benjamin Button. I'm <sighs> sorry. Are you 34? Mm-hmm. And you're 34. I'm 34. Okay, neither of you is allowed to say you're old. Let's just end it there. <laughs> um, Alex, this might be my favorite picture of you that oh, I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Where did you guys find this? I found that in oh. a New York Times story oh. that um, was from a couple of years ago. But the picture is from 2005 or 2006 at yeah. the very, very beginning of your career when yeah. you first started your line before you were so doing slutty. a show. <laughs> I was going to say you've dre- you're dressed youthfully. <laughs> Ryan describes it as slutty. Fair. You're it's showing you're, a lot of skin. I'm wearing a tank top. You're wearing a tank a top. A low cut. Look at the armhole on that. It's a very 90s vibe tank top. <laughs> and um, and your hair is short is the other, at least I think it is in that yeah. picture, um, is the other thing I noticed. So look at that sweet, innocent, cherubic <laughs> face. What, what advice would you give to that kid now? Stop wearing tank tops. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Stay true to yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know it sounds cliche, but it's really important. You know, for me in the beginning, having no kind of real work experience, you know, I had a few internships, you know, I never had a formal job in the fashion industry that, you know, I just did things the way that I felt they should be done. And it came from instinct. And, Mm -hmm. you know, now being kind of 15 years in the industry, you know, you start being like, oh, can I still, you know, have that instinctual gut feeling about doing things, you know, as we go through an industry that's a mistransformation. And and uh, it's important to always kind of, yeah, just listen to yourself and kind of do what feels right. Mm-hmm. So, Ryan, I don't have a picture of you at age 21, which is my <laughs> failure as a journalist. Oh. But think about that kid. Oh, thank God. I was like, if you bring out a picture of me when I was fat with long hair, I'm oh. really mad at you. Was that a, was that a past Ryan Corbin phase? Oh, yeah. Yeah? It was from going out too much with Alex. Because <laughs> he doesn't get hungover, but everybody else feels the Forget after Forget about effects. the hangover. It's the metabolism. Oh. Well, thinking about that kid, what kind of advice would you give him? I would say stay loyal. When I look back on sort of my career, if that's what you want to call it, it's sort of the only thing that I feel like when you strip back, everything is sort of really important and has gotten me to where I am is just the loyalty, especially in a place like New York City, which, you know, or any sort of, you know, fast moving city is, is, is that I live my life and career by that. So very quickly, as we close, can you each tell me something since you've known each other so long, tell the listening audience one thing that they wouldn't know about the other person oh my gosh that's a dangerous question (laughs) okay alex we know ryan as the impeccably polished and exquisitely detailed interior designer what does the world not know about him oh my gosh (laughs) <laughs> okay, I'm only getting really laughter. Hard. I'm not getting an answer. Oh my god. I I I 
you know what? He doesn't like labels, but he doesn't eat meat anymore. Okay. Which is very recent. So, yeah. Ryan, what's one thing that we don't don't know about Alex? (laughs) (laughs) Just one thing? (laughs) I'll take 12. (laughs) Yeah, I got to be careful. Fine. I'm, no, no, I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of something just, that wouldn't just. America, know that I tried for you. <laughs> Got nowhere, but I tried. Yeah. Ryan, okay. Alex, thank you so much for being here and for allowing us to take a deep dive into your your early twenties. Much appreciated. Of course, thank you so much, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you. You can follow Alexander Wang on social media, and of course, find his collections at Barney's. Ryan Corbin's new book, Ryan Corbin Interiors, is also available at Barney's. Or if you want a real-life experience, wander into his curated space in the home department of Barney's on Madison Avenue later this month. The Barney's podcast is produced by Barney's and Transmitter Media. Our associate producer is Oluwakemi Aladasui. If you like what you hear, please rate and review the show. It's going to help other people find us. Thank you for listening. But let's start with the important things. What did I have for breakfast? No. Oh. <laughs> okay. No, I feel like I do need to know that now. What did you have for breakfast? It's in my backpack. I haven't had it yet. Really? Yeah. Feel free to break it out. I mean, we're on, this is a podcast. <laughs> Nobody can see. 